0: Welcome to People's Church Podcast. The betrayal of Judas is one of the darkest chapters in... No, I'm going to say the darkest chapter in Scripture. It's a dark moment on a dark day. Let's read more about this guy. Let's pick it up in John 13, 2. After supper being ended... uh, the devil having already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot Simon's son to betray him it's interesting his heart was so wide open to evil that the enemy was able to just deposit full message he had so many times played the little game with the purse that he just couldn't get out of it and then played the big game. You know, that's how it works with this kind of character. There's a pattern of sin, little things, but it creates the opportunity. And that's what happened here. And so on that last supper moment, The devil had already put it into the heart of Judas. It was already there. In further down. I do not speak concerning all of you, Jesus said. I know whom I have chosen, but that the scripture may be fulfilled. He who eats bread with me has lifted up his heel against me. Talking of Judas. Now, I tell you before it comes that when it comes to pass, does come to pass, you may believe that I am he. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who receives whomever I send receives me, and he who receives me receives him who sent me. When Jesus had said these things, he was troubled in spirit and testified and said, most assuredly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. Then the disciples, they looked at one another, perplexed about whom he spoke. Now there was leaning on Jesus' bosom one of his disciples whom Jesus loved, Simon Peter, therefore motioned to him to ask who it was of whom he spoke. How well hidden sin can be that even the closest disciples in trying to figure out, they don't start with, oh, it's got to be Judas. Judas. He had so lived under the radar for all of the years in following Jesus. They didn't even start with him. They didn't even guess him. Then leaning back on Jesus' breast, he said to him, Lord, who is it? Jesus answered, it is he to whom I shall give a piece of bread when I have dipped it. And having dipped the bread, he gave it to Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon. You'd think it was obvious. Now, after the piece of bread, Satan entered him. His message was already in his heart. We read that. Now, Satan enters him. And then Jesus said to him, What you do, do quickly. But no one at the table knew for what reason he said this to him, meaning Judas. For some thought, because Judas had the money box, that Jesus had said to him, buy those things we need for the feast, or that he should give something to the poor. They really didn't get it. Having received the piece of bread, he then went out immediately, and it was night. Always watch what's below the radar that you are willing to keep there. In Luke, we continue the story. Then Satan entered Judas, surnamed Iscariot, who was numbered among the 12. So he went his way and conferred with the chief priests and captains that he might betray him to them. And they were glad and agreed to give him money. So he promised and sought opportunity to betray him to them in the absence of the multitude. There's more that we could read on him, there's a lot of scripture on this guy. And the reason it's there is because he was a key player. Why they needed him, it's brought out in the scripture, is they didn't want to put Jesus on a hunt down list because that would the crowd would not put up with that. They had to do this secretly and at night. They had to get the trials moving and so that the populace has not fully uh, come awake, and the city was in full swing. So they really needed the moment of opportunity. They needed it the right way. They couldn't treat him badly in the sense of putting him on a hit list or putting a big arrest warrant out for him because that would have stirred up a lot of issue. Instead, what we have, they find the back door through a traitor, And they say, show us where he is. And they did it, it says, so that the crowd wouldn't know. He took them to the Garden of Eden. He approaches Jesus. He's in front of those that are coming with their weapons. And as they walk through this beautiful Garden of Gethsemane, Judas walks up to his Lord, how hard-hearted can you possibly be? Oh, covetousness, anything above God can turn the heart to complete stone. He walks up and kisses him on the cheek, and Jesus says, Judas? You betray the Son of God with a kiss? He had a conscience. Somehow he didn't think it would end up on a cross. Somehow he probably thought, you know, they're just going to make a show of him and, you know, kind of put him in his place a little bit and it'll be all right. But no. Their intent was the cross, their intent was to kill them, their intent. Judas ends up in a place where he doesn't repent. He ends up in a place of remorse because of a conscience. That's not a good place to be. God doesn't want you in remorse. He wants you to repent so that he can make all things new. Too many people, even many of us who are believers in Christ, we don't deal with our sin that way. We end up in remorse over it. And that remorse is just you and your conscience at work. God doesn't want you to live in remorse. He wants you to live completely free from that kind of thing because of what Christ did on the cross. Because the sin is paid for, there's nothing more to you to add to the menu. All you do is receive the great gift. And remorse led him to take his own life. But there was a second man. Oh, it wasn't one of the 12. The second man. What an extraordinary faith this man demonstrates. What an extraordinary awareness of what was happening, to see so much with so little time, to be able to see and be clear about what was transpiring, and who Jesus was and what was about to happen, is quite amazing. No, this man, this man, this man was different. Oh, he had wrongs on the list. In fact, he had done some really wrong things, which he admits too. He fully just owns his stuff. He doesn't back away from the list. Let's read about this man. In Luke 23, 32, it says, two others, both, catch it, both criminals, were led out to be executed with him, with Jesus. Jesus. When they came to a place called the skull, they nailed him to the cross, and the criminals were also crucified, one on his right and one on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they are doing. And the soldiers gambled for his clothes by throwing dice. The crowd watched. The leaders scoffed. He saved others. Let him save himself if he is really God's Messiah, the chosen one. The soldiers mocked by offering him a drink of sour wine. They called him out. Hey, if you're the king of the Jews, save yourself. A sign was fastened above him on the cross with these words. This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals hanging beside him scoffed. So you're the Messiah, are you? Prove it by saving yourself and us, too, while you're at it. But the other criminal protested. Don't you fear God? Even when you have been sentenced to die, we deserve to die for our sins, our crimes. But this man hasn't done anything wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me. When you come into your kingdom, And Jesus replied, I assure you, today you will be with me in paradise. Judas was a criminal just under the radar. He was stealing all the time. He was a thief. In fact, we find that these other two men, if they, some, uh, we would say, versions would say, both of these men came from the same thing. They were thieves. So they were in a place where it was a criminal's day. Except for Jesus. Have you ever thought of yourself as a criminal before God? This is Good Friday. What's this all about? Why death? Why did the innocent die for the unrighteous, the sinner? What's this really about? Why blood? Why are we? Because you and I are a bunch of criminals. We just have to decide what kind of criminal we're going to be. And I know some of you are thinking a funny thought. I just want to be a good one. In essence, that is the thought of the day, what kind of criminal are you? I give you a selection of three. Judas, who was a criminal. And Jesus knew all about it, and Jesus understood what his choices would be, and yet he kept them close, he kept him in a place where even after, if he had repented, yes, send the silver back, fine. But repent and own it. And then call upon Jesus to forgive him. But no, he goes into remorse. Another criminal who is casting. By the way, it says in another thing that both of these men had cast insults at Jesus at first. And then we see a change of heart in this other criminal. We see one who is saying, hey, yeah, that's who you are. Hey, well, prove it. Get us down from here. Echoing what the crowd had been saying. Following the crowd. And then there's this guy. The one that we've just read about, who is one of the most fascinating stories in Scripture. People think sometimes by lifting up this guy's conversion that you're lifting up these deathbed conversions and saying, well, just wait till you die. and convert." That's not how it's going to work for you. If you actually think that you can stay in a repentant heart, soft-hearted state until you die and serve sin. This criminal who turned to Christ in the last moment saw Jesus on the cross dying as a felon. He saw Jesus bleed. He saw the suffering. And yet he had enough faith to believe this wasn't the end for Jesus. This is the Messiah. He's Jewish. He understands the promised Messiah. He understands that Christ means anointed one, one that has come from heaven, one that is come from God, God in the flesh. And he is switching in his heart as he watches this unfold and his faith goes to to, to an astronomical place where he's able to look at a dying felon and believe he can give him eternal life. I don't know about you, but I probably want to look at, you know, somebody who is strong and healthy and... No, Jesus is dying. That took great faith, to believe in a dying man to give you life. And he knew all the disciples had forsaken him and fled. He understood that. He knew that everybody had abandoned him, that he, he was now alone. He himself was in extreme torture, going through the same kind of crucifixion. This guy's special faith was that he saw so much, even though his eyes had been open for such a short time. How did he see so much? This dying thief confessed the Lord Jesus Christ. He rebuked his fellow sinner. Oh, that that would return in a confidence. Don't be a party to people's sin. Speak. He made full compassion of his own guilt. We indeed have done these things wrong. We deserve this. He defends the Lord with great courage in the faiths of crowd and everything else. This man does not deserve to die. He has done nothing wrong. And that doesn't mean that he is saying that he's just not done nothing wicked. It means that he's not acted in any way wrong. And then he prays. Directly to Jesus. Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And then he worships. He adores him. Only let Christ just think of me. That would be enough. Just think of me today. Remember me when you come to your kingdom. It's worship. Jesus' response to this man, this criminal. Today you will be with me in paradise. Surely I tell you. It's like, I promise you. Can you imagine this broken Christ looking over at this man and uttering these words haltingly But assuredly, I assure you, you can be confident of it. Today, you will be with me in paradise. People have wondered what happens at death's door. Well, through Jesus, you go to be with Jesus. Where? In paradise. You just go to be with Jesus. Beautiful thing. Hard on loss, but this is the power of Jesus. I envy this thief in a way. I envy him because he had such clarity in this moment and then he goes directly into paradise with Jesus, accompanying him into paradise. And imagine this, he's doing it without having to live out, you know, the rest of his years and all of the tests and the trials that life is gonna bring to all of us. He doesn't even have to be baptized, he doesn't have to do anything from that point on except die and then live. But God has a different plan for you and I. He didn't just save us and then take us. He saved us because here on this world, we have a place and a role in what his plan and purpose is. And we are here to represent this incredibly loving God And to bring them to our families and to bring them to our friends and to bring them to our businesses and to bring them to our professions and our daily work and to bring them into our just our, our whole life. To bring Jesus. There's something for you to do in this wilderness of this world before he's going to take you to the heavenly garden, folks. And we best be about that. The two men. Two very different men. One prepared and lived his life with him at the core and never diverted from that. Never made any adjustment from that at all. One who lived And did many things wrong. So wrong, he ends up on a cross as a criminal. And even begins the day out in the same mocking as the other thief. But then there is a change. What is it that changed? He put his faith in Jesus Christ. And from that moment on, it all changed. He put his faith in Jesus Christ for who he was. Judas had never done it. He had never put his faith in Jesus Christ. This man, in that moment of time, has his eyes open to such a degree that he chooses faith, and he places it, and he says, remember me, O oh Lord. He's defending Jesus now, and he's telling the other guy, don't you fear God even at the moment that you're gonna die? I mean, don't you realize the reality of what you're about to experience? And here we have the Messiah right between us. Here is the Messiah, here is the Christ. How could we miss it, don't you see it One sold him for 30 pieces of silver. One is saying, He is the Christ. And in what little time he had, he called out to him in a surrendered prayer to give his life to Jesus Christ. Good Friday. Oh, there were things all around it. You have a centurion that comes and he says, truly this was the Son of God when he sees the earth shake and and he's watched this whole crucifixion. He's been in charge of it. Why do some men see and other men don't see? How can somebody walk with Jesus for all of that time and not see, not see, just not see? Because all they can see is this. And how can somebody in the moment of time have such a revelation that their heart will take it in, engage with it, embrace with it, and then make the humblest plea possible. He didn't even say, save me, get me down. He, didn't. he just said, would you think of me? Would you remember me? When you come into your Kingdom. I get it. This is a beginning, Jesus, not an end. Would you remember me when you come into the new beginning? What a powerful. Powerful story. This is, and we're just scratching the surface. Let me finish off the scriptures today. Jesus said, I assure you today, you will be with me in paradise. Oh my gosh. Can you hear his words speaking that to you, Christian? By this time, it was about noon, and darkness fell across the whole land until three o'clock. The light from the sun was gone, and suddenly the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn right down the middle. Then Jesus shouted, Father, I entrust my spirit into your hands. And with those words, he breathed his love. When the Roman officer overseeing the execution saw what happened, he worshiped God and said, surely this man was innocent. And when all the crowd that came to see the crucifixion saw what had happened, they went home in deep sorrow. But Jesus' friends, including the women who had followed him from Galilee, stood at a distance watching. They would move in the next few days from watching to being what God had always intended them to be. The witnesses to the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. They were placed in this favored position, but something had to transpire in their hearts also. You must not just be a watcher at the cross. You don't want to stand at a distance. You want to understand your place actually is beside him on another cross. But you can reach out and his cross will forgive you for everything that puts you on yours. And then he wants to give you a brand new cross, and he says it later on in these same scriptures. He says, if you want to follow me, you must deny yourself to follow me and take up your cross daily. Take up your cross daily and follow me. Don't live under the radar. Don't let your heart be filled with the wrong things because then you're making room for all the things that are not good. Instead, let your heart be filled with what I can show you about myself, Jesus said. Like that thief, all of a sudden, that awakening. And God wants our hearts to be awakened in these moments like a Good Friday. To so where are we at in our own response? Maybe we're part of the crowd in a way. Maybe we're living under the radar where we don't should certainly not be. Or maybe, maybe, just maybe, in our own pain, in our own things, in the, the, the consequences that come from bad decisions we've made, we are in pain, but we will cry out in that pain, Lord, remember me. We're gonna take part in communion in just a minute. And that is exactly what he asks us to do when it comes to communion. He says, do this in remembrance of me. Memor- have a, re- reflect on me, remember me. Why does he say that? Because he is responding to us in this regard. I assure you, today, You will be with me in paradise because of the blood that is being shed and the body that is being broken. And that is what that thief on the cross saw. He saw that the body being broken, the blood being shed wasn't an end. It was the beginning that you and I never had available to us. But that thief did. Right on the moment, Jesus does his own mission and reaches a cross and brings a lost one into his kingdom. And that's what he's done for you, believer. What's your response? Just to accept, like that thief on the cross, just to accept what was done on that cross. The moment that that transpires in your heart, it's the same thing. He will assure you, I assure you, today you will be with me in paradise. You have secured paradise, you've secured what I've come to do for you. And if you've never done that, I want to give you an opportunity. But if today's not your day, that's your choice. Like, we all make our choice. Of course, I exhort you to make a good one. Humble yourself and receive Jesus Christ. But if you're a believer today and you've received Christ, take a moment. Evaluate. What does this really mean to me? To take this cup, And this broken bread, what does it mean? What is my response? How shall I now live? Let's bow our heads in a prayer. If you're here and you've never received Jesus Christ as your Savior, here's a little prayer you can borrow from me. Just pray it in the confines of your own heart. My gosh, it'll echo in the throne room of heaven. That I promise you. Father, thank you for sending Jesus for me. I am a criminal, I have sins. And I thank you that through Jesus dying on the cross, my punishment before you, a holy God, has been paid for. So today, I wanna receive you into my life. I want you to remember me and bring me into your kingdom. I want you to forgive me past, present, future, all sin in my life. I accept this gift. It's mercy and I receive it. Now, Lord, while I walk on this planet, I want to be somebody who is living out a faith that changes things in my life, and in lives around me. Bless our hearts with a fresh awareness of what was done, what we've received, and kick us out of laziness, kick us out of living below radars. Lord, wake us up, shake our soul. May we be ones that again are refreshed at your cross, and we say, oh, but for this, there was never any beginning, never any new thing, never any new way. Wake us up. And may the shout of remembering echo in our minds this day that it was for us that Jesus came, that Jesus bled, that he was broke, and that he died. For that, we make the response, Lord, of following you wholeheartedly, denying ourselves, taking up our own cross to carry into this world. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you find this program helpful or would like to learn more, please give us a call 780-539-0572 or email mail at peopleschurchgp.com.